This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Do a little rearranging real quick here. So last week, Pastor Jessica kicked off our Rock Solid series, talking about how the goal of the Christian life is to weather the storms that are thrown at us in this world. But if we build our life on the solid foundation, the solid rock of Jesus Christ, we'll make it through the storm. But then she left us hanging with no practical examples, and that was left to me to start off. So I'm going to try to work under pressure here, but I want to talk to you a little bit about Christian clothing. Christian clothing. And speaking of which, I'm thankful that in the midst of this pandemic, one thing hasn't changed. Because our whole shopping experiences have changed, right? We can't go two ways down an aisle anymore. There are limited store hours. More people are shopping online than ever. They're either picking it up in the parking lot or they're having it delivered to their house. And two, checking out, if you're at the store, feels more like you're bailing your friend out of jail because of the barrier that's between you and them. But one thing has remained the same. And that's even though you have to wear a mask now, there still seems to be little to no standard for the rest of your dress on your trip to Walmart. <laughs> okay, it's true. <laughs> We've all seen it. Okay, just got done swimming at your brother's watering hole. Come on in. Do you look like a stereotypical plumber, if you know what I mean? Come on in. Are you on your way to prom? Come on in. Come one, come all. Come as you are. So there are some places that have lower standards, and there are some places that have higher standards. And when I think of higher standards, I think of fine dining experiences. And specifically, I've never been there, but in New Orleans, there's a place called Galatoire's. And the dress code at Galatoire's is as follows. Galatoire's dress code is business casual for lunch. Collared shirts are required for gentlemen. No shorts, t-shirts, or flip-flops. Jackets are required for gentlemen starting at 5 p.m. nightly and all day Sunday. Darker jeans without holes or rips are allowed. And in the midst of these two, Walmart and Galatoire's, sits the church. Somehow, both having high standards and having low standards. Now, let me tell you what I mean. Because this passage that Brian just read for us is talking about a particular storm and a particular type of clothing. Paul says, you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. They're darkened in their understanding and alienated from the life of God. Put off your old self, and put on your new self. Ephesus was a place of Gentile Christians. The first Christians in their area, the first Christians in their family, they weren't Jewish Christians, right? It used to be an exclusive club to follow God, but now God has opened it up to everybody that would count him as Lord, and so these Ephesian Christians are struggling with identifying with Jewish Christians. In fact, if you go back to chapter 2 of Ephesians, Paul says, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you're fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, right? You're part of us now. You're in the club. 
But the reality is, is that Paul becomes aware that even though they're in the club now, even though they've been welcomed in, come as you are, they aren't living up to the standards. They aren't living up to the standards. And he seems to imply that the Gentile way of living will cut you off from the life of God. You'll be estranged from this relationship with the Lord. So if even though these people continue to call themselves Christians, if they continue to act like they're not Christians, then they're estranging themselves from the Lord. They're cutting themselves off from the fullest relationship that's available to them with the Lord. And wouldn't you call being cut off from the Lord a pretty strong spiritual storm? It's pretty basic, but it's pretty big. So you can come in. There are low standards to come in. Everyone is welcome. But once you get in, we ask that you follow certain standards. And I imagine that this was difficult for the Gentile Christians because, again, they were the first Christians in their area. It wasn't like they grew up singing Father Abraham and went to VBS and saw their grandmas and grandpas follow Jesus. That wasn't the case. They were the first ones doing this, right? And so the only examples they had was Paul and whoever else Paul sent, and then next thing you know, they're gone. So they're trying to figure out this whole Christian life in the midst of all of their peers who are not Christians. And so naturally, who are they going to act like? Their non-Christian friends, family, etc. And this isn't new to God. He did the same thing to the Jews in the sense of cutting them off if they weren't willing to follow the rules that he set out. They weren't going to be in as good of a relationship with him if they weren't going to live up to the standards. And that is what is at stake for these Gentile Christians if they fail to live up to the standards that God has laid out. And I wonder if we're in the same place as the American church. Maybe we've been obsessed for too long with church growth numbers that we've been focusing so much on come as you are that we're not so good at discipling people and letting them live up to the standards of Christ-likeness. We're not so good at challenging them to put away the old self and put on the new self, the new way of living that's like Christ. And we're risking them being in the storm of being estranged from the Lord, of not having the fullest relationship with the Lord that's possible. In addition to that, if we don't put on the new self, there are a couple of other things at stake. At the beginning of chapter 4, Paul says, I urge you to live in a manner worthy of the calling to which you are called. In other words, God has a work for them to do, but before he does a work through them, he wants to do a work in them, right? The work that God wants to do in them is dependent on them being willing to become the people who are required to do that work. And so if they don't do that, the work isn't going to be done. They'll fail to live up to the calling that God has placed on their lives. And second, they'll fail to represent Christ accurately. Because if they continue to live this life and call themselves Christians but still live like the Gentiles, then all their Gentile friends won't think that Christ is all that much different from them. They won't see it as a real commitment. 
And two, they'll reinforce this cycle within the church because no one else is putting on the new self. Why should I have to put on the new self? So we're just gathering in this club together without any standards. So we fail to live into the call that God has placed on our lives. And we fail to represent Christ accurately in the world. But let me tease this out a little bit, okay? So I'll give you an analogy about clothing. We're going to stick with that because the same word that Paul uses for put on is the same word that's translated as John the Baptist was clothed in camel hair. So we're literally putting on the new self like clothing. But I want you to imagine that getting saved is like this. We come to God in our filthy rags, our filthy wardrobe, our old self. And God welcomes us into his kingdom. He says, I'm so glad you're here. I love you. But now that you're here, I want you to pack up your wardrobe and we have something to do. So Peter rolls up in the car, packs up your stuff in the back, throws all your clothes in. You and Father God and Peter roll down the street to the mall and Father God pulls out his grace credit card. And buys you a new wardrobe, a new behavior, clothes that you will look like his son, Jesus Christ, in. You went on your shopping spree, you load up your car, and he says, there's one more stop we have to make. So you drive to the sketchy part of town, and there's a store there labeled the World's Thrift Store. Drive around back to the donation door, and... A nice guy with Lucifer on his name tag walks out and says, Great, so glad you're here. Thanks for your donation. Would you like a receipt? You say no. And you're getting ready to pack up in your car, and Lucifer interjects, Okay, hey, I tell everybody this. I I know that sometimes people can make a mistake in the things they want to get rid of, and that these things hold sentimental value. So if you ever want it back, or you want to look at something different in here, Feel free to come and look. So you just kind of shake your head, get in the car, and leave. But the problem is, is that all of us at some point go back to the world's thrift store to put on our old clothes or put on something different, even though God has made available to us a new wardrobe. It's like Jesus Christ. But we decide that this is more comfortable, that these are the things that I really want to engage in, that I can somehow make it through my relationship with the Lord and not ever wear the things that he's bought for me, the wear the things that he's offered me. Right? And I think that there's two excuses that we make for not putting on the new self. And I'll take this off so you can take me a little more seriously. (laughs) But two excuses that we make for not putting on the new self, and the first of which has to do with our identity. We say, it's not me. And so you got to know a little something about me. And I don't like polos. It's not that I have anything against anyone who wears polos. So hear me, don't think the next time you wear one that Pastor Jared is just thinking, wow, Pastor Jared's judging me right now. No, it's not that. It's just when I wear one, I look at myself in the mirror and I'm like, Jared, what are you doing? No, 
You are forbidden. I don't like it. I look at it and I'm like, it's not me. It's just not me. And I think that's what we do with the new self, is we look at these new behaviors, this Christ-like way of living, and we're like, yeah, you know, I'm just, I'm really not a nice person. I just can't do that. It's like, I just can't not make jokes. I just can't not do X. It's just not me, right? It's the first excuse that we make. The second excuse that we make is that no one else is wearing it. No one else is wearing it. It's pretty hard to want to look different or to put something on when no one else is wearing it. Okay? I'm sure a lot of us have made dumb decisions with other people who have wanted to make dumb decisions with us. When we get in groups together, we could do stupid stuff. But the same is also true for doing good things. But if no one else is wearing it in the church, when the Holy Spirit pokes us, we look around and say, God, it doesn't look like it's all that important. Why should I have to put it on? So, the two excuses. It's not me. It doesn't fit me right. It's not in my identity. And peer pressure, you know, no one else is wearing it. No one else is wearing it. So how do we make sure, despite all this, that we continue to put on the new self? How do we overcome these two excuses? It's not me, and no one else is wearing it. Well, what if the two excuses were the answers? So let's go back to that. Identity. Paul talks about in that list at the end, verses 25 through 32, where he's not giving an exhaustive list of the new self, but giving you an example of what the new self is. He says, don't give in to anger. It's an opportunity for Satan. Or another translation puts it as it's a foothold for Satan. And I think the foothold that Satan puts on us is when he can get us to wrap our sins so into our identity that he can deceive us into thinking that when God wants us to give it up, that he's calling us to lose our personality. But that's not the case, right? When he gets us so enwrapped in the fact that, well, that's you. That's just the way you are. That's just your personality. You can't not be that way. God wouldn't ask you to get rid of that, would he? The deceiver deceives again, right? The reality is, is that the new self is your true self. And you got a little bit of a preview, so you could have guessed that already. The new self is your true self. That who you've always been meant to be is wrapped up in Christ-likeness. When Satan tries to get you to think that when you're becoming Christ-like, you're losing something, when really you're gaining from who eternity God has intended you to be. You're walking away from your old behavior so you can walk into the person that God has set apart for you to be, the calling you were called to. So we have to get in the shift of realizing that the new self is our true self. The old self is our false self. And second, peer pressure transforms into accountability. No one else is wearing it transfers into we're not alone. Because it's really uncomfortable to put on the new self when no one else is wearing it. But if together we decide 
that we're going to try to put on the new self, that we're going to try to be Christ-like together, it's going to be a lot easier to look like a fool together. So what are the two keys? Realizing that the new self is your true self and realizing that we're not alone. But how do we pull this off practically, right? So there's a little something I didn't tell you about Galatoire's, and that's that when you walk in and you don't have a jacket on, they'll offer you one. If you're not dressed properly, they have these nice dry clean, they're not like from Goodwill or something, they're nice jackets so you can look spiffy in there. And at first, we take this offensively and we're like, oh, so I'm not good enough to be in here. You don't like the way I look, right? But really, aren't they saying we want you here? We want you to fit in? We want you to be a part of the full experience that is available? You just have to put it on. We just ask that you'd put it on, right? And the kingdom of God is the same way, is that he welcomes us in. Come as you are. But once you're in, he has this dress available for you to wear. And it's not a manner of, hey, you need to go out and earn this. You need to go find this. You need to figure out how to get this. He has it right here for you to wear. It's more a manner of willingness to put it on than it is a manner of trying to earn it right? The kingdom of God already has available to you the ability to live in Christ's likeness. It's a manner of willingness more than it is a manner of effort. And the beauty of it is that it's a continual process. You look at the word, put on the new self, you think it's a one and done deal. It's not. Actually, the verbiage that Paul uses seems to imply that you keep doing it over and over, a daily thing. You put on the new self each and every day. You accept what God is offering you and keep putting it on so you look more and more like Jesus Christ. Is my collar up? Thank you. Anyway, but keep putting it on over and over and over. And so there's two ways we can do that. First, You can accept the clothing that God is offering you. Building into your day an opportunity to say, Lord, how do you want me to look more like you today? An opportunity for the Lord to say, hey, this part of the old self, this sinful behavior, I want you to drop off. Hey, this Christ-like behavior, I want you to try to pick up. He's offering you the power. Right there. He's going to journey alongside you in the way. It's more of a willingness to take it than it is an effort. Right? So accepting the clothing daily. And second, offering a clothing. If we're going to become a community that puts on the new self together, we have to be willing to go to our brothers and sisters and say, hey, I love you. Have you considered that maybe this isn't the most Christ-like way to be living? And this isn't license to go to your non-Christian friends and call them out on stuff. Because the thing is, we're holding Christians to Christian standards. Once they're in, we're asking them to live up to the standards, not asking the people who are outside. And also, if you're not first willing to accept your own clothing, then you have no right to be able to go up to your brother and sister and say, hey, you need this. Take the log out of your own eye before you take the speck out of your friends. And so if we can all make this commitment 
to accepting clothing daily and making ourselves available to be instruments for the Lord to help other people put on clothing so that we can all help each other look more like Jesus. We'll be able to live into the calling that he has called us to and we'll be able to accurately represent Christ to the world. We'll be able to come the self that he's always intended us to be and we'll be able together to reflect the full body of Christ. And now more than ever, as we're seeking this new mission and vision, don't you think that we should be wanting to figure out how to get rid of this spiritual storm of being cut off or estranged from the Lord so that we can live out the calling and the vision that he's placing upon our lives? Amen? So as we invite Mark up, as we wrap up here, I just want to invite you to pray with me about how we together can be a community that continues to be accepting clothing each and every day, to be a community that offers clothing to one another in order that we can do the work that the Lord wants us to do so that we can be the people, the Christ-like representation of the work that he wants to do in Marion, Indiana. And so... In closing here, I just want to invite you to a response. I'd ask that you stand, and there's going to be a prayer on the screen that I'm going to lead us through. If you want to enter into this journey together, I invite you to participate. But I will start us off, and you will go with the all prompt. Father, hear our prayer. on the new self. by grace that we've been offered an opportunity to enter into your kingdom. And it's only by grace that you offer us the ability to behave in the way you ask us to. We're truly hopeless without you. I ask, Lord, that you would make us a people that when encountered would give people an accurate picture of your son, Jesus Christ. I pray that you would dwell with us in this congregation and that the person who might be ashamed of their sin might know your loving heart and the clothing that you have made available for them in righteousness. I pray that you would equip us in holiness and obedience so that you might successfully journey alongside you into this new land of mission that you are calling us to in Marion, Indiana. We ask that you would make us holy, reminding us that who we truly are is only found in you and unifying us in the calling that we can only accomplish together and by your power. 
in the name of the Father who has created us, in the Son who has redeemed us, and the Holy Spirit who sanctifies us, we pray. Amen.